Hello, everyone, and welcome to OT What's Your Focus with me, Farah Money. Today's guest is Alex Thompson. Now, Alex is actually an occupational therapist in the police force, and I had never heard of this prior to coming across her on social media. And uh, I reached out and I asked for a little bit of a bio and if she would be willing to come on the show. And she really kindly agreed to. And it's an interesting story how Alex has actually managed to develop this role. So Alex qualified as an occupational therapist, graduating in 2015 with her Bachelor of Science from the University of Southampton and received her Master's in 2019 from the University of Salford. Uh, Alex chose to quickly specialise in mental health services, working for West London Mental Health Trust for two years before relocating to work for Southern Health NHS Foundation Trust for three years, where she actually developed from a junior member of staff to team leader and most senior occupational therapist within the inpatient mental health hospitals. Uh, Alex has said that 2020 has been a year of unknowns and changes. Well, that's a given, really. We've never been through so much change, I don't think. But also a year of reflection, which again, equally true. I don't think I have personally ever reflected so much in my entire life. For Alex personally, this meant that it led to a job change for her in September 2020. Alex's job title was a well-being support caseworker and this eventually became a brand new role for her to build. So despite not being called an occupational therapist, all of the values and teachings and methods of occupational therapy Alex felt could easily be transferred over for this role. This was a new role within the Hampshire Constabulary and was building on their well-being vision for their police officers and police staff. So the main responsibility of the well-being support caseworker is to work alongside those within the police force and for those who may be experiencing long-term sickness, uh, have long-term or complex conditions and this can be for a multitude of reasons and Alex is actually still actively developing this role so I was really excited to hear more about it because nothing excites me more than role emerging placements and finding OTs in places that you just don't expect to find them because literally they're everywhere you just have to sort of scratch the surface to see and this is the perfect example Alex is an occupational therapist and although her title is a well-being support caseworker, she's still an OT. So I hope you enjoy the episode and as always, get in touch and let me know what you think. So we have Alex on the show today and as you know from the intro, Alex is actually um, working as a well-being support caseworker. So I wanted to start off the interview first of all with you today, Alex, by saying hello and could you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to the role of OT as a profession and what do you currently, what area do you currently work within as an occupational therapist? Hi, um, I'm Alex Thompson. Yeah, so um, as Farrah just said, I'm wellbeing support caseworker within Hampshire Constabulary, um, the police force, and I work with 
um, police officers and police staff. Um, and I, I am an occupational therapist, still registered with the HCPC, and um, only started this role that I'm in in September. And prior to that, was working in inpatient mental health services for five years. So my passion for OT, I think it began and my journey towards becoming an OT started when I was 14 um, and it was from a personal experience so um, and they don't mind me talking about it because they would say it was a good thing of my career to come from this but my grandfather um, who I was very close to had a stroke um, and he was it was the long-term effects that were the worst for him but um, you know the deterioration over time but the initial effects he he was doing okay um but his ot was amazing i think she was a locum because i did try to look her up after afterwards when i got my degree and everything and find her um but i i couldn't find her unfortunately um but she was really approachable inspirational and with my granddad's consent um we kind of talked through what she was doing with him during the hospital um stay that he was there so following that, I decided to pursue OT. I, I wanted to always do something in healthcare, but I wasn't sure what. And I didn't, and I suppose like a lot of people, didn't necessarily know that OT existed until it was kind of thrown into my life. Um, so yeah, as I said, my first initial experience was five years within NHS inpatient mental health services. I did two years working in London um, as a band five, and then I moved down to Portsmouth which is where my hometown um, and worked as a band five and then progressed up to a six but I decided on a change this year so 2020 has been a tumultuous year for everybody and I thought why not try something different in the middle of a pandemic so <laughs> I am um, now titled wellbeing support caseworker so it is a role that didn't specifically go out for an occupational therapist um, but it's also one that proved to need all the transferable skills of what an OT does uh, it did advertise you know they wanted you to have experience um, in manage leadership and management and within healthcare and with different types of people with different conditions and complex cases um so i was able to really kind of demonstrate that within the interview um and the feedback i got after the interview actually was a lot around the ot specific goals that i um the ot specific skills that i presented and uh yeah that was really great so the role is brand new i've had to build it up from the basic foundations and um from uh the mindset of of what the organization have for it um trying to meet their goals as well um so yeah i support police officers and police staff who are experiencing long-term sickness and absence from work and or a long-term and chronic condition which is impacting their work and also their home life so the great thing about it is that I get to work with a wide range of individuals, so it keeps you on my toes. And I've also um, revisited some skills that I haven't used in some time, so I get to keep all of those cognitive, mental health, physical health skills, um, the working with all the different professionals in, in the forefront. So yes, it's been really good so far. Yeah, I've, I've heard of OTs working within the prison service, but I've never heard of OTs working within the police force. As you've said, this is a really new concept in an area I've never come across it myself but what do you think actually gave you the inspiration so obviously you saw the position I'm assuming as a job advert come up so what made you think because obviously it didn't say occupational therapist wanted so that's actually really um, innovative of you to think hang on a minute I think all of those match my skill set and I'm going to go for it were they quite surprised that you'd approach them as an OT or were there other OTs I suppose maybe you don't know 
No, I'm not sure who who else went for the role um, and what what they you know looked like. Luckily, obviously, I, I must have fit whatever they were looking for and um, got offered the role. Um, but I don't know. I, th I think within the police forces, there there is yeah welfare officers and things like that. Um, but I think that OT can you know really offer something. And I always do um, within any advertisements or uh, leaflets I put out about my role put in there that I am an occupational therapist by background and um, put what what I do um, so I think yeah it is it is kind of really important sorry I've completely lost my train of thought Farah no that's fine I was just thinking when I was looking even just at your job title where it says well-being support caseworker you can't get more ot than well-being can you so this concept of you kind of seeing this job advert it wasn't put up as an occupational therapy role and yet you've gone for it because you could see the potential for the ot lens there i'm assuming yeah definitely could i think it had so much within the um job description and things that you know it was all to do with um preserving you know allowing empowering people and preserving people's dignity and things like that and just you know I, I know obviously that could go through to other other healthcare professions and things but there was so much within the job description that I thought oh that really really fits with what I already do and actually just kind of looking at that and thinking yeah that fits but actually I could expand on that more with my OT skills um so I, I yeah I just went for it I, I spoke to my family about it and I said I don't know whether it's going to go anywhere but <laughs> they're looking for but I'll, I'll go for it and I'll, I'll give it a go and yeah I was I was really lucky to get the role. Perfect so would you be able to talk us through a day in the life of an OT or in this case well-being support um, caseworker so obviously I'm assuming like anything no two days are ever going to be the same but do you have kind of a routine or an you know you go in would you be able to talk us through what your day would look like? Absolutely um, so what my day looks like at the moment potentially isn't what it will look like in the future because of the pandemic so um, I am working from home at the moment a lot of my um, intervention and that is over telephone call um, I do cover the whole of the Hampshire County um, so I might be working with people that are up in Basingstoke across in Southampton in Portsmouth in my local area um, so I one day I'll probably be traveling about all over the place but for now I'm kind of in my little home office or I'm in I go over to the headquarters in Eastleigh so yeah as we said like each day isn't the same but my aim is um within my role is kind of twofold so I've got the caseworker side of it which is the increasing the health and well-being the functioning and um working towards a return to work or even a dignified exit from the from the organization so it might be you know that policing is isn't for them anymore um and exploring that that further as to if there was another goal or it might be that you know um they they have registered with quite a significant disability and actually they 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 don't feel that um they are able to work because of their condition work with them as much as possible to kind of explore that and make sure that's right but then they can go through a process of ill health retirement so um we might explore that look at that but i'll make sure i link them in as well um, with other services um, that can support them as a retired police officer or police staff. Um, and then the second part of my role is kind of to work as a coordinator um, between other teams and services. So it's really, really great because within the constabulary, we've got an amazing wellbeing off offer. And I really do think, you know, I don't know, just from my experience that it is something that the NHS could kind of 
learn from with the amount of you know amazing things that are available you know what we could so um do with that as nhs staff especially after this year um and it there is so many elements and so many different things available within the well-being offer that it's important to make sure that each service is communicating with each other or there's someone there to bring all of these pieces together um so for example we've got um our trauma assessors and peer supporters and we've got unison um in-house and we've got police federation which is for the officers officers and that's their version of um you know their their union as well uh, we've got a um you know a, a well-being team which i link in with a lot but i can do more of the um longer term uh, complex elements um so you know and occupational health too so being being able to try and bring all of those bits together and making sure that we're working together is really important especially for individuals where their cases are extremely complex um so yeah i i do have to do a lot of communicating with a lot of other people as well to make sure that all comes together um so it's, yeah i suppose just think about actually about the day I probably tend to always start my morning with catching up on emails and I know a lot of people do that but my email is inbox is kind of like my um godsend to be honest because it's is where all the information comes through from all elements of the constabulary about what my role is trying to achieve what the well-being strategy is everything like that where I link in heavily to that so I need to make sure I keep an eye on it. And it's also where I receive all of my referrals to as well. So um, whether that be from, you know, I get referrals from occupational health, I'll get them from Unison, I'll get them from the manager of the individual or the individual might contact me themselves. Um, but generally, I always want the individual to be aware that obviously they're being put forward for that. Um, so... If I receive a referral, I tend to ask within the referral. It's more just a general email because unfortunately I think a lot of people were very much like there are a lot of referral forms out there already. So I just said to them, send me a tiny bit of a summary if the person is happy to with what the main main concern and your main worries are, and then I'll arrange a telephone call with you. So um I arrange a telephone call with the individual for initial assessment and treatment planning opportunity. Um, I send them a summary of what the goals are that we've achieved after the telephone call. Um, and then I'll link in with the manager and other important members of their team to make sure that they're also managing and coping, um, along with providing them with education, feedback and advice. So especially in areas of like um, mental health as well, you know, managers, there's some managers that are understand it a lot because they've been through it or their family have been through it and there's some that really want to understand but they've never had that chance to kind of talk those things through so um i also you know provide that input with members of the team um that need to be involved um to support them uh to make sure that the that they can support them to the best of their ability um so yeah so because they'll i suppose the managers will be the consistent element within their working day even after my input does cease so um you know for years to come so if we can provide a good managerial education and set them up with resources and things for the longer term um then the individuals do bound to feel more supportive and potentially it will reduce the risk of them going back off work um and policing's a demanding place to work as as we know kind of working within healthcare is also a demanding place to work um and actually you know more often than not nhs resources provide that individual that initial treatment um, but they don't necessarily um stretch long enough or far enough for the um 
longer term future depending on what the what the thing is so it might be um you know someone might have had an amputation and they've had all their physio sessions over those months and they've got back up and walking and things but actually um that they haven't had that input in terms of the going back to work and the making sure they can do all the tasks and skills and that for them to be able to be at work or just do engaging in their hobbies um so i'll kind of pick up from where where they left off and um try and address that uh so yeah i think that that's where i can really help and it also helps for them to feel settled at home and in work reduce sickness and overall kind of them feel more empowered and productive in a lot of aspects of their lives um, many of my cases are mental health related so um, if you're thinking about policing, you know, the trauma that's involved in certain areas, including, you know, first on the scene for suicides and murders, or as an investigator for um, significant crimes, including, you know, um, sexual abuse and others, and just thinking that we're, we're all human, and as many as, you know, much as we might appreciate, actually, despite us helping others, sometimes we need a bit of help too, and that's, that's okay. Um, so just because police staff and police officers are there to help the community and help others, it, it doesn't mean that they need, they need to suffer and just suck it up, actually. I'm trying, and the constabulary are trying to create a culture where it's okay to get help. Mm. So. And I'm just thinking about this, um, what you was mentioning earlier about your remit, it seems absolutely mammoth, like the area you're covering, it's not a small area, and I'm just thinking about this concept of this continual education and your caseload, I mean, what's your caseload like, if it's kind of a, a brand new role, you're building it up from the ground, you know, I'm imagining you're getting quite a lot of ping, 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 those email, your email inbox must be pretty full, so I'm assuming this is something that potentially could expand absolutely that's my hope for the future is that it will expand and that i'll have my own little team of of, of people kind of running around and, and addressing bits and pieces and maybe you know the, the equivalent of an ot tech or assistant or something you know by my side um but yes since i started in september my referral rate has quadrupled mm. um um which is amazing uh and i have had to set up a tiny bit of a waiting list but I am managed managing to keep up with, with that mostly but I do have a triage system for referrals as well which kind of follow three pathways um and you know it'll either be the the advice and signposting for the manager and the individual if they're if they're low risk and actually they're just wanting to know where to go next um and then it might be somebody who the next pathway might be somebody that's completely stuck um they, they they've been off there's no way that they're able to get back to work at the moment they need some really targeted support so that's when i'll get involved in terms of the longer term casework or it might be that there needs to be a multidisciplinary approach there so we do have a welfare and sickness group as well which i chair within my role which i should have mentioned as well <laughs> um, yeah so i chair the welfare and sickness group which is all where all the I suppose the complex cases go to the, the people that have been off for a very long time. They've got significant health issues. Um, the managers have provided them with this, this and that support. And they've also accessed other support within within the constabulary or outside. And unfortunately, it hasn't seemed to progress. So we will address that case and I'll get involved and other people get involved as a team for us to kind of brainstorm and for how to take this forward and just kind of bring, bring all our heads together in our different areas. So that would be kind of me occupational health the hr team um the well-being team and um some some other kind of higher up managers as well uh 
and yeah we, we so we kind of you know with, with that, that triage system it's to kind of make sure that everybody's kind of getting the right things that they need um at that time but i don't ever tend to decline referrals um i i always at least provide some sort of signposting or advice saying you know this is where you can go because some people it is just they're not aware of what's available and actually as soon as they're aware they they've got exactly what they need so yeah it's just kind of going up the, the ladder a little bit in, in that respect. Perfect and do you know of any other OTs in a similar role to yourself so whether or not they've got the same title as you or if they're actively out there saying they're occupational therapists within the police are you the only one to your knowledge at the moment? At the moment if I'm honest I'm, I'm one of the only ones to my knowledge I did um, send a tweet out when I got offered the role asking whether there was anybody in a similar role to me I got a couple of responses but they tended to be um, people that worked in the US and Canada mm. um, so there wasn't any in the United Kingdom and um, so I did have a bit of a chat with chat with them um, but obviously the police forces and ways of working are slightly different you know per country and um, so yeah, it, you know, if there is anybody out there who's doing the role, then let me know. But um, I haven't found anybody yet, unfortunately. Oh, great. And I will put all of um, Alex's details on the show notes. So if you are out there and you hear this, you'll at least um, have some way to reach out to Alex on Twitter. And I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. But what I'd like to know is what do you enjoy most about your role? Because you've said so many interesting things. I mean, everything's lighting up it's like there's not there's not a stone left unturned it feels like from what you've said so far so do you actually have an area you enjoy most or do you feel like you're still finding your feet with it all I am still finding my feet um I think so far I think one I I had quite a few years of specializing in mental health which is still where my passion is but the fact that I've got such a variation and I speak to so many different people I might be working with somebody who's had a limb amputation one minute another person who um, has had a car accident the next minute and then somebody that um, is dealing with trauma another moment and I think that I get to use a lot of skills within that, which which is great. And I get to really provide quite a wide service. Um, but as we've said, you know, um, hopefully there'll be way of expanding in the future because it is very, very um, wide in terms of that. Um, so, yeah, I, but I think the thing that I love the most um, in terms of, and you know, this this is in comparison to previous roles I've been in, is that there would be timeframes for things, you know, you can offer this many sessions or this is, you know, how long it is until they're discharged and then they'll, they'll move on to here. Actually, you know, I, I can actually work with people. Um, I get to decide for how long I work with people. And I think that's really nice. So I can kind of follow things through from the start to finish or through to the recovery and implementation phases and slowly do a, um, kind of taper off my support rather than it just stopping so I can kind of be like you know I might be speaking to someone a couple of times a week and then it'll be a couple of times you know every other week and everything like that so it's it's wonderful to be able to um just kind of have that freedom and be able to um work at their pace and at, at mine as well and for us to kind of work together and do, do what do what we need to do um and not feel rushed Oh, I really like the idea of that. That sounds so idealistic, what you've just said then. It just sounds absolutely superb. So yeah, I think that's definitely got to be right up there for one of the most enjoyable parts of your role because it's kind of like music to any OT's ears, I'm pretty sure. You know, you don't just get that sort of screenshot moment with them. 
you get you get the whole journey so that sounds great but do you actually have you know do you ever encounter challenges as part of your role you know I can think of one at least that's beyond your control but are there any other challenges I'm assuming Covid was obviously a massive one that are beyond your control as part of your role yeah I think you know I think things are slowly smoothing out um as time goes on i think that everybody you know if, if you're going into a role like this that is a brand new role knowing with any role but especially brand new ones that they all have their teething issues um and continue to work on those um i do i do think that the challenges are potentially at the moment in terms of the volume of, of referrals that i am getting and i'd love to be able to offer a really comprehensive service for everybody but as as it has become um you you have to have your your prioritizations and your um offers uh of of certain levels of support and degrees of support um and i think also i got so as an additional note so comfortable you know knowing what all the nhs procedures and policies and things like that were and how the nhs worked it's a challenge but also a good thing as well obviously i went out and i've, I've got moved into the police force where things are completely different um so i'm getting to know a new language new jargon new abbreviations for everything um and sometimes that that does mean you know even now because there's people that have been working in the constabulary for years and years and they're still like sometimes there's things that they they don't understand in terms of the abbreviations but sometimes i i have been feeling like i sometimes miss things but i do always ask if there is anything i don't understand um in terms of abbreviations and everyone's actually been really good with that because they all know i've come from the nhs and i'm not a police um staff born and bred so yeah um no that i think that's a few of the things Oh, perfect. So I know you've obviously told us already that you've been building this role up and you're, you're essentially carving it out for yourself, which is um, really uh, it's interesting to see where this will end up, I suppose, in a way. But would you be able to maybe explain to the listeners, how did you, so you've gone to the interview, you've pitched OT, you've clearly won them over, you've got the role. Where did you go from that point of thinking, oh, I, you know, I've, I've got the job. Where did you build your role up from? You know, were there steps that you followed? Did you have a template? You know, give us an insight into where you went from the point of being offered the role. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to say it's been, you know, it's not, it's not been easy, but it's been rewarding and it has been great to see where it's come from. Um, obviously, as we've said, it, it was a very strange time to start a new role. I still, I started at the beginning of September. Um, obviously, we're almost going to be in January soon and I still haven't met many people face to face. So I have been um, doing most stuff over platforms like this on teams zoom um telephone call um so i suppose the main and initial step that i took they were really organized and wonderful which was great because they set up a really comprehensive induction plan for me which meant that i met with a lot of different teams and a, a lot of different um professionals quite early on um in the first couple of weeks and i think that made all the difference because um you know it, it meant that i i was able to tell them about what I was wanting to achieve and then people that were involved on, in that board to um, develop my my role and get it funded. Um, I also spent a lot of time talking to about what their vision was for it so I could kind of you know see, see where, where they were going with it. Um, so there were some initial documents when I first started of like um, role proposals and um, what a general terms of reference and things would be uh, but as, as I went through I did 
kind of develop and edit some of those documents to kind of meet the I suppose actually a lot of the stuff I edited was for it to stay within some of my my OT values and um, you know uh, the things that I wanted to achieve as an OT um, so yeah we, and we also um, went and visited um, our sister force as well which was Thames Valley Police um, so we went up to Oxford and discussed um, about their welfare officers that they have there um, and none of them are OTs but I, I wanted to kind of get to know how how they focus and how they run and they, they have a team of them up there um, so there is, there is uh, quite a few of them but I I kind of asked quite a lot of advice from them so I think no harm in linking in you know with, with other people in other areas um, but I suppose that the initial steps that I took was the um, was talking to people reading around some of the subject as well which I'll I'll, I'll get to because I you know I'm <laughs> you can ask me another question about some of the bits at the end as well that I could recommend um, and just then looking at the documents and having some kind of guidance for me but also for everybody else about how my role is going to work so the terms of reference with who I am what I'm trying to achieve and what the boundaries of my role is um, the triage flow chart as I've spoken about with um, the three pillars of where a case might go um, role leaflets as well so I've, I've got all my my lovely things through from comms the other day um, with my um, about my role who I am what my background is and and, um, where I've come from and then also develop like a case contract as well so like you might have a supervision contract at work um, mine's kind of what you should expect of me and what I expect of you as as someone that I'm working with and just kind of allowing them to know you know what how the land lies from the beginning um, and and the managers as well uh, yes yeah, so I think think initial documents and the building blocks the talking to people and putting your face and your name out there as much as you can during the pandemic and um, yeah linking in with with wider services if possible perfect so you're really putting that OT stamp all over it you know <laughs> <laughs> absolutely trying my best to yeah definitely so how would a supervision work for you so obviously I'm assuming like you said you've got quite a lot of experience having worked for the NHS so you've got that support network that team that banding system of people that may be a higher band or lower band than you so do you have like an external provider that you approach or you know who can supervise you within the police do you get a police supervision or is it still OT based so yeah actually it's it's something that I am discussing with my current line manager at the moment about um, kind of external supervision in terms of my OT skills. Um, it isn't unusual for me um, not having an OT supervisor so my last job my supervisor was a nurse um, but I have obviously going into an environment where there is absolutely no OTs for me to link into um, I have been discussing that with my line manager um, but the development of the role has kind of taken that um, down the list of things to do at the moment unfortunately but um, Yes, my, my line manager is the head of HR and she knows a lot about the police, how, how things work, all the policies and procedures and things like that. Um, and she can kind of tell me, you know, whether things are realistic. She's very supportive and knows, you know, everything that I've kind of told her about me and what, what I my needs are and things. So, you know, she, she is very, very good. And a lot of my learning needs recently have all been about adjusting to the police force um, and knowing you know how my role might work within that um, so yes it's something you know answer to that is kind of something I continue to develop um, but it isn't 
unusual for me um, or a, a change for me to not be supervised by an OT. Um, I used to be in my first job, but in the last job I was in, it was a nurse. So, um, but it is definitely something I'm going to look forward to. So I wondered, do you have any advice for anyone that is wanting to bring their skills as an occupational therapist to similar roles? So that could obviously be within the police force. I'm sure there's going to be people thinking, oh, well, being support caseworkers, let's look out for those from now on. But I suppose it could go across the board to any kind of more abstract position. Do you have any advice that people might be able to take on board and think, actually, this isn't asking for an occupational therapist as such, but I feel that my values as an OT match this role. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like I, 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 I don't have um, loads of loads in terms of volume to kind of add to add to this question, but I, I think just think about if you see something and it fits in with the initial criteria you're looking at, you know, because the, the banding, the salary, the, area that everything else take a look at the job description are the role of the skills there transferable is there room for you to contribute to quality improvement service development where you're going to be able to bring in your ot skills and add it in um, and don't limit yourself to like nhs jobs and nhs websites as well have a look at you know think of some keywords like i was looking up well-being jobs and welfare jobs and health just, I don't know, just generic terms and things and putting them into some of the job search websites. And that's where I actually found it. I found mine on Indeed. Um, and that's where I found it. And it linked me to the, the constabulary website where I um, applied for the role. So I think, yes, don't don't limit yourself. Feel, you know, as long as you, you do your research and make sure that everything is is um, legitimate um, and go, go for, make sure you get enough information about the role before you apply and show, show your um, enthusiasm and just, yeah, just, just um sell yourself tell tell them you know this is what i can do this is what i can offer um and even when you look at the job description have a look at it and go right yeah this is what i can offer in line with your job description but this is what more i can offer on top of that and try and think about you know what you can really bring to the table oh that is sound advice really sound advice i like that so do you actually use any particular ot models because i'm guessing that's kind of an area that is something that will stand on top, you know, like what you were just saying, what additional stuff can you bring? So did you kind of bring that aspect into your interview about talking about a particular OT model or perspective that you're coming from, from your OT practice? I did. Um, in my interview and also within the constabulary, there's there's one main model I use and then a second one that I'm actually looking at bringing in more. Um, but partly because I like the kind of infographics that you can use the second one. So I, I am a big um, user and um, lover of um, model of human occupation. So Moho is, um, you know, one of the big ones. It's one that I've always used and the Moho within my last role was, was a massive thing. Um, and I've gotten so used to explaining it to people over the years that it's just so easy for me to say to people you know this is the elements of it and this is why it's so important for your health and well-being in terms of occupation um however in terms of work i did in the past for my master's degree and i've also been doing reading around the cow model as well and i think um the more i actually use the analogy for you know the the um stones and the logs and the bats so and the barriers and the hurdles that you have to overcome in life in terms of the it impacting the flow of your life um 
with somebody the other day and they actually really liked how I put that. So I am looking into bringing more of that kind of um, element into, into my practice. Um, I think just because, especially at the moment where I'm doing a lot of stuff over the phone and things that actually can bring a really nice visual um, element to the model using the cower. So um, yeah, I love the moho, but I am, I think that I've kind of started with that because that's where my comfort zone lies but i'm looking at um bringing in an, another one that i can um use and uh kind of explain to people as we go along and it just is really it's a bit easier to identify with i think in terms of how it's set out oh absolutely yeah and also going with you know what you were saying about the people you're working with if you're finding that that's getting good feedback and is working that make it's it's logical to follow that isn't it leading from what you're being told back to people so with COVID-19 obviously affecting your work schedule pretty much from the start if you think about it because you started this role mid-flow in this pandemic so there's no kind of what was it like before COVID because for you that doesn't exist so you've only ever known COVID as part of your work you know as what you're doing within the police force so in terms of adapting your practice I suppose really you've not adapted in the sense of what you've been used to. You've kind of built your practice around the pandemic. So would you be able to talk to us a little bit about how that has affected things? So I suppose rather than looking back to what it might have been before, really we might be projecting forward into, well, this is what I'm working like at the moment because of COVID, but you might have different hopes for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, hit the nail on the head there. I've definitely got ideas of how I would like for things to look in the future. Um, cause at the moment I've got no or very limited unless it's on, um, constabulary premises, um, face to face contact or, um, you know, meetings with anybody. Um, and, uh, but we you know, we're, we're lucky because of technology. I've been able to do video calls and things like that with people as well. Uh, but yeah, I came into the role in the middle of the pandemic, so I haven't known any different. Um, but my, my hopes for the future are to be doing more, um, uh, travel around the County, go to different, um, you know, police for not forces, police, um, stations and uh, to be able to go and talk to different people within the constabulary and also to um, provide you know uh, awareness and educational group opportunities as well so a lot of the stuff within my interview that I spoke about was my group facilitation skills and how I'd set up groups and um, planned them and built them from scratch but that isn't a skill that I've really been able to uh, use or demonstrate at the moment because you know, uh, one, because it's been so busy just setting up the core parts of the role and two, being able to, I can't do group, face-to-face -face group sessions at the minute. Um, so, you know, it could be something, you know, if this, this continues for longer that I can look into in the new year for doing virtual groups, um, virtual education, uh, and that's to be something I'll have to think about. But I think that's how I'd like for it to look in the future. And also I get a lot of individuals as well who I'm speaking to whilst they're still um, in patients in hospitals whether that be general or mental health hospitals unfortunately and I'd really like to be able to do begin doing hospital visits um, to them as well to provide that that link and that support and be involved in their ongoing care and um, provide some more continuity in that way as well but obviously that's not very easy at the minute either um, 
so yeah it's definitely affected it and I'm working from home in my little office um and uh you know I, I there, there is some nice elements to working from home but I would like to be out there a bit more I think um so you know fingers crossed for, for that in the future definitely fingers crossed in 2021 you've got some great plans already in mind so I'm sure they're all going to work out well for you but that actually brings us to the final question I feel like we've been speaking for five minutes but it surely it must have been about an hour already but I always ask could you recommend either a book film article website or other media that you feel that the listeners might you know it might be worth them knowing a little bit more about or catching up on and maybe elaborate why you've made those choices absolutely yeah I think if I'm staying quite specific in terms of um ones that are useful within my role and within you know um if people are wanting to know more about well-being within the police um there's two books that i would recommend because i was recommended them when i first started and read them um and the first one is uh, a book called blue a memoir and it's by john sutherland and he was a uh, police officer in in the met police um he went through he was there for a long time, very um, high up in his ranks in London, um, but then went through ill health retirement um, following mental health difficulties. And it speaks about, you know, his personal and work struggles and how that impacted him as a police officer, uh, which is really interesting, you know, kind of from that first person perspective uh, to know uh what our police are, are facing uh, and then the second one is it's actually an American book um, so I did have to just kind of take some of the skills and the elements from it because it was um, quite the language is quite Americanized and also applicable to the American um, police force however there is a book called emotional survival for law enforcement um, and it talks all about you know different um, like arousal curves and um, rest and how you know we, we might know it within some of our our training where you put in so much work into train into training and your career where your life literally does become your career for quite a long time because that that's what you've had to concentrate on and especially for police officers you know where they come in and they're doing long shifts they spend most of their time with other police officers how that might affect their relationships at home they might find that they don't necessarily have as many friends outside of work um because that's what their life is taken taken up with um and how they kind of and it talks all about you know with, within the police in terms of like burnout and things um the the elements that might lead towards that and the signs and things to look out for um but it all just links it to to police forces and police officers um, so that's a really interesting thing to look at in terms of the emotional and mental health side of things. Um, and then I suppose the website um, that I use and the service that I use a lot is a charity um, called Police Care UK. Um, Police Care UK is wonderful. They on, honestly offer a lot. Um, they, they can offer support in terms of mental health and physical health difficulties um, for police officers and police staff um and and their families as well so it's worth being where you know say say if you have a client yourself who's not necessarily in the police but they've got a family member who is in, in the police then that person might be able to access it and it could benefit the whole family um they offer counseling advice they've got a helpline um they've got a lot of um facts and information sheets um they can also offer in terms of uh 
funding as well. So um, they're someone that I've um, spoken to and linked in with because they can offer um, additional support and funding for adaptations and equipment as well. Um, so, you know, that kind of keeps my, my skills up in terms of that area as well. Um, so I think those three are the main ones that I would probably say are, are the ones that have helped for me to kind of understand um, what, what it is to be in the police and what the well-being you know elements are because all the people that have been involved in these things are all very um experienced either from the fact that they are police officers and have been police officers or they've worked within that this area for such a long time um and it can give you a real insight i think oh they're really great recommendations thank you so much for those alex i'll put them all onto the show notes so that anyone wants to catch up or have a look at any of them they can go ahead and do it and i'll also put alex's twitter details on there so you can get in touch but i want to say thank you so much for talking with me for the listeners although this isn't going to come out till january we're literally the day before christmas eve so i really appreciate your time talking to me so so close to christmas Oh, that's absolutely fine no I've enjoyed it actually it's been good to talk about it so yeah appreciate the, the opportunity and we want to spread the word get the word out there and sort of open people's minds up to this like you said at the very beginning the the possibility that not all occupational therapy roles need to be NHS based and we can actually spread those skills so much further and think a lot more broadly about where we can focus in and bring our our skill set to different scenarios and I think you're a great example of that so thank you for coming on the show Thank you.